Everybody, and welcome to And Then an Aeroplane, episode 19. I am, as always, your host, Autumn, and I'm joined by M. It's Ghibli time. It's Ghibli time. We're here with just the most nice movie. I don't know if it's the most nice movie we've watched, but it's just sweet. It, we're talking about The Secret World of Arietti, um, which I didn't pull up any type of like information about. Because I'm a professional podcaster. Uh, okay. Well, Arietti, or Arietti the Borrower, is a 2010 movie uh, based on the book uh, The Borrowers by Barry Norton from 1952. It is directed by Hiromasa Yonibayashi and uh, screenplays by Miyazaki and Keiko Niwa. Um, and is, you know, one of these definitely, again, casting around trying to find someone to take Miyazaki's place uh, when he gets old and cannot do this anymore. Um, this guy, uh, you know, directs when Marnie is there and then goes on to make Mary and the Witch's Flower, the movie we made fun of. <laughs> um, uh, he's, he was otherwise a key animator on pretty much all the aughts Jimmy movies. Also apparently but, Serial Experiment Lane. Yeah. But we're out of the aughts now because this movie is from 2010. I realized that and like... We're so close to the finish line now. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what is this movie about? This movie is about a young girl named Arietti, who is like six inches tall-ish. Um, and she lives under... She and her mom and dad live under a house of regular-sized people. And... Someone new moves into that house, um, who is a very sick anime boy who has anime disease. Um, and he has a weak heart. That's rude. <laughs> it's very specific about his anime disease. <laughs> so he has a very specific anime disease, which is a heart virus. Um, and 
I'm trying to think of what happens in this movie. <laughs> um, Ariadne goes on her first borrowing, um, which is like she's come of age and she's going to like go borrow like a sugar cube and some tissue paper from the regular sized people house. And um, the young boy show sees her and like people in the house, because this house has been owned by the same family for generations. People have seen the... Uh, borrowers before but they're kind of like no one's sure if it's just like grandpa being funny or if like they're actually small people and show sees them uh you know um plot ensues as one person in the house is like we got to get rid of these tiny people they're damned thieves and show tries to help them uh and arietti and show learn to understand one another and then um, Arietti moves for, because it will be safer because she can't live there anymore because the humans have seen her. And that's basically all that happens. <laughs> it's true. That is all that happens. Um, this is the first Ghibli movie that I saw in theaters. Um, and I remember it really blew me away the first time I saw it. Partially I was just... writing about film when this movie came out for the internet. Um, and I really liked it back in the day. I was too, but only because like I was a teen posting on forums and we had our own little blog that we were trying to get people to read and no one read. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was blown away by this movie back in the day because I was, IGN.com. <laughs> um, and now it's just, like, Oh, this is very sweet. That was a nice way to spend 90 minutes. Um, nothing else really about this movie <laughs> uh so a couple things normally we do voice actors i didn't write this down because pretty much the entire japanese cast is just like actor actors long storied careers don't know a goddamn thing about any of it because we're anime cretins mm -hmm. um but interestingly this is a movie that had a english dub before the disney dub it had a uk dub that studio canal did in 2011 that is really stacked and i'm really mad it's not on my blu-ray because i would have watched this version um like the japanese is good um but like the dis the, the disney one is fine you know it's got mm -hmm. amy poehler in it as the mom and will arnett is the dad and a bunch of disney stars all around they rename a show to sean because you can't uh apparently you have to localize out the japanese names uh for this <laughs> don't want to tell people it's anime but the um the, the UK dub is like Arietti is uh, Sorcha Ronan. The show is Tom Holland in his first role. Homily is Olivia Coleman. Uh, Pod is Mark Strong. Like it's just stacked with British actors. Okay. Cause, so I didn't realize that because um, on my file it had all three versions of it. And I just thought it was like maybe like a stereo and a surround sound version of the English. I didn't. I might have to. I might have to download that to listen to that dub because it sounds like. I think the Japanese in this is good. Obviously, we, we advocate listening to the subs, but I would be curious about that dub specifically. The the Tom Holland voice, which I did not, would never have pegged as Tom Holland, but the Tom Holland voice is fucking hilarious. Because oh, really? <laughs> he sounds like this. He's just a sad British boy. <laughs> the, um... Tom, how old was Tom Holland in 2011? He would have been 13... No, 15. Christ. <laughs> Um, I also would have been 15 when this movie yes. came out. <laughs> um, God, I don't want to think about it. I'm older um, than Tom Holland by months, not by much. <laughs> um, 
But um, that's interesting because, like, I know one of the big changes from the books is because, like, I remember the watching the original movie when it came out, like the 90s movie with, like, John Goodman or whatever when it came out. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much about it, but I remember we read the book in, like, school or maybe I just read it. I can't tell. That was a long time ago. But I remember the kid being much younger. He's, like, 10, and he's, he's not meant to be, like, a peer to Arietti. He's, like, a little kid. Right. But oh. th- this movie definitely makes him like they are the same age, they're in the same place in life, and uh, this weird, you know, not quite a romance, but definitely like this this yearning that can never be. Uh, it's very silly. It's <laughs> watching the final scene of the movie because it was like I couldn't tell if they were supposed to be like a romantic thing or not, and then the final scene kind of pushes in that direction more than anything else, and I was like, mm. weird. I did not really get that vibe. <laughs> The only time I really got that vibe was when um, Spiller showed up, and it was supposed to be, like, he was supposed to be a different love interest for Arietti, um, and it was like, oh, well, I guess, is he supposed to be in contrast to show? I guess? Question mark? Yeah, like this very, like, strong masculinity. There's two types mm-hmm. of masculinity. Soft boys with weak hearts and, like, strong guys who hunt food. Also, uh, we racialize strong guys who hunt for food in very strange ways. Yeah. Um, Spiller's weird because Spiller shows up and he's like a rogue bar. Like, he doesn't, it's, he's like a nomad, a nomad and he's just out there hunting. Uh, he know he goes between different communities and talks to people, whatever. But because of that, they depict him as like an indigenous character and not specifically like native American. Like not, it's not like Indian in the cupboard. Instead it's like, uh, he is vaguely riffing off of like the characters in Mononoke. Like it's definitely like Japanese indigenous, Mm -hmm. but like really like three steps removed from anything identifiable. He just, you know, is Brown and scary and doesn't talk well. That's his entire characterization. I could not figure out why he's not able to talk to them. That did not make any goddamn sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I assume the implication is that he's out out in the wilds too much, and he lo- loses. You know, he doesn't talk to anybody, so he doesn't. He's not good at it. But the way in the ways in which that is depicted in other media and in the real world is all very loaded with imagery that this movie's definitely not doing otherwise. Yeah. Um, it just, it just, for this one time, this like, you know, the, this tough, uh, guy shows up and Arietti's like, oh, he's like an entirely different type of masculinity. I've never seen a young boy before who's like cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it definitely is like, oh, are they gonna, there's a bit at the end where Spiller goes and sees her talking to show and he's like, oh, am I going to start some shit? Am I going to like, you know, fire an arrow at this kid, stab in the eye? Um, and it is so weird to see that, like, even like hinted at in this movie i'm like this is not a movie about any of these things i started at one point to like form a thought in my head about like is this movie trying to sell you a fantasy of like oh if we weren't on our phones we would just you know knit and like make everything for ourselves and like you know like we would forge our own you know appliances and like cooking wear and i think that is part of the fantasy of being a borrower but i don't actually think the movie's about that i think it's just like I a mean, thing that is it, present. It being from a, it, like a book from the fifties, I think really sidesteps a lot of this stuff, right? Yeah, I did not realize how old that book was until you mentioned it. I knew it was. I would have assumed like eighties or something. I guess. Yeah, 
And so instead of that, instead of being like, oh, it's because you'd be on that phone, it's actually about like, you know, enjoying the small things in life. And I mean, small in like not a size sense, but in just like slow living, uh, like enjoy like the quiet moments and also like this deepest like appreciation of like dollhouse aesthetic which mm-hmm. honestly i feel like technology has given us a resurgence of who has not spent an entire night watching people build miniature like food uh or like <laughs> delicate paper houses of like literally studio i've watched people assemble studio ghibli models of like the bathhouse from certain away multiple times <laughs> we have all watched the tiny tiny knife videos like yeah yeah. Um, um, and so, so the movie being like a cavalcade of look at these tiny people interacting with large objects. Isn't that awesome is honestly would have watched four hours of just them, like climbing on household goods turned into like the maze inside the walls of the house. My absolute favorite thing about this movie is like, there are two or three scenes and they're all pretty short where Arietti is interacting with bugs and all of mm-hmm. them are great because she is the same size as the bugs and that just looks amazing because I don't want gigantic bugs like in Nausicaa. I want the person to be bug sized. It's just good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? On the on the flip side, every time they see an animal is not as cool as I want it to be. Like every time they see like a raccoon or the cat. Not... I think the raccoon scene is really good. I think the cat stuff is like less good. Yeah. Good, like it's a good cat design, but like the cat takes on like a mystical quality as it leads a show to oh, uh, Lassie's show to them in the <laughs> last moment for no reason. A sudden face turn for the cat. <laughs> yeah, the cat who has been a gigantic dick the entire movie <laughs> takes a sudden turn for like I'm gonna help show out. Um, it's not great. I mean, it's not like a problem. It's just like not the thing that I was enjoying about yeah. the movie. I don't know. My the stuff I like is like when they're just in the house and they're pouring tea and the tea is these giant drops that come out of the yes. tiny tea pots and all of their wall art is like stamps that they've collected and put up on the wall. Uh, just living in the space is the thing that I really appreciate. Yeah, there's a lot of like loving attention to like foliage in this movie, both in like yeah. in the house and in the garden outside of the house. Um, the, just like. That's clearly like everybody just decided we're going to spend a lot of time doing these background paintings and it, you know, it pays off. It makes the movie fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember, is there any like, I'm trying to remember if there's any CG stuff in this movie. This movie feels... Oh, there definitely is. I just think they're better about, at this point, I feel like they're much better about massaging that in. I just can't imagine there isn't some of that in there. There's definitely one shot I remember being like, Oh, this like way the camera is pivoting, that's definitely CG. But like I think for the most part, like I think it's just good. If it's there, it's not noticeable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I definitely I I kind of wish there was like one or two more scenes. Like I the movie's ninety minutes and it doesn't need to be longer, but I kind of wish there was like one or two more scenes of like Arietti and her dad like going on expeditions into the house because um that's just the best part of the movie, I think, and it's over in the first twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just one of those movies where, like, you just want to live in it, and in a way, we haven't really seen in like since like Kiki, right? And we had a lot of problems with Kiki, but Kiki's a place where I'd want to hang out. I'd hang out in this world, and that has not really been true of a lot of the movies we have been covering. The thing is that for all our problems with Kiki, I was um, 
needing a notebook the other day and I went to the bookstore and I stood outside and they showed me the notebooks they had and they had a Kiki one and I was like, well, I like thinking about Kiki. So I just have a Kiki notebook now and I look at it and it's cute. So as much as I've belly ached about Kiki for months now, it's still like a movie I adore. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, but that stuff, uh, like, I think in general, like, this being a new director who's coming out of animation specifically, like, you know, this is someone who's been working on all these movies, I think probably helps in terms of, you know, oh, this, yeah. is Goro. this is someone who's like day to day in like working on these movies, knows what makes them work and doesn't work and just makes one of them like, mm -hmm. you know, this movie's not, ex this movie is exceptional because it's not exceptional at all. It is like just the chillest Ghibli time. Uh, there's, there's very little friction. Um, you know, there's very little threats, but it does adapt like the book. So there's weird stuff where like in the adaptation of the book, because of that you get, um, the, uh, like the maid, uh, Sadaka or whatever, who, is convinced that the little people are there and wants to like get rid of them prove mm -hmm. that she's not crazy i don't know she's basically like a tom and jerry character totally out of place in the vibes of this adaptation yeah it feels like she's only there to introduce some conflict because otherwise people would think the movie's boring but mm -hmm. but like i can imagine this character in in a book that is like has higher stakes she's the one who like She's like, I got to prove they're there and then I'm going to exterminate them. Um, but the movie's not willing to like lean into that being like the stated threat. It, it does do that, but it does it in such a soft way that you're like, wait, is she talking about killing them? That seems so outsized for what this movie is. <laughs> right. Um, well, and like, I mean, you say, you mentioned that she's a Tom and Jerry character and she's also the one character who's drawn in just like cartoonish ways of just like, her mouth just like opening up like way farther than it should when she's like, ah, yeah. I've seen them. And just like, she's drawn in a very silly way. And then also she invites exterminators over who are only in like three shots, but they always look fucking goofy as shit. When they I love there. those exterminators. Those exterminators come from a way cooler anime than Ghibli could ever make. <laughs> um, I was actually kind of reminded as you were talking about, um, you know, um, Whisper of the Heart, uh, that the director of that movie was also like key animator on like a dozen other uh, Ghibli products or projects before um, doing his own movie. And I, I like that's kind of an interesting heritage for you know these two movies. I think. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, we also, we, I guess we haven't talked about show's parents at all because I, I just think it's funny that like he both has anime disease and, um, at like absentee parents that are just not talked about, but the aunt clearly has weird grudges about them. Yes. Um, I just think show is just every like anime trope rolled into one character in a very funny way. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, you know, like, this is technically in flashback. Like, it opens with him narrating of, like, that, that one summer where I went, I went and lived with my aunt before I got my heart surgery that fixed my heart. And I met this strange girl. Um, and it just gives everything, like, this very overwrought melodrama, like, setup for, mm -hmm. you know, we, we talked to each other three times and then she left. <laughs> 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 Which, to be fun. fair, I think the, I think the anticlimax of that is really good, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a little goofy as like a like this is what they made the movie about. Like nothing happens. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, 
Because in my memory, like, they somehow were able to work out a thing where, um, like, Arietti and her family just keep living in the house. And I was, my memory was just wrong. Like, they just move, and it's fine. Arietti I mean, seems to have a fun time moving. The movie definitely sets up the idea of, like, oh, they're going to live in the dollhouse, and it's going to be good. They just have the, the tiny family living with them. And that's, like, that's definitely, like, where the Hollywood version of this is, where it ends, right? right? <laughs> but, um, no, it just, you know, it all goes to shit. Yeah. And, they, and then they but, sing like, a little softly. song... They sing a song about how nice it is to, like, see new things. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's a nice little thematic ending that you put in the song for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I guess is, like, the thematic content of this movie, like, as opposed to just, like, enjoying it. I think it's really good in the way in which show wants to help. He's interested in Arietti. But the minute that he intervenes, he fucks everything up. Like, he literally yes. terrorizes her mom and destroys their house, trying to get them, like, the better kitchen from the, the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not played as, like, ah, uh, you know, he just made an honest mistake. Like, what he does is, like, horrifying in the moment. And they depict it as, like, this monumental intrusion on their way of life. Yeah. Um. The... The sound design in this movie is so good because, like, in the early scene of um, Arietti and her dad in the house, like, they do a really good job of, like, selling, like, every little floorboard is just creaking like hell and, like, they could wake up the family at any time if they're not careful. And then, like, I think the sound also does a lot to sell, like, the absolute horror of, like, what he has done to their home. Um and, like, his, he also, after this, like, just carelessly leaves a crowbar, like, right next to, like, the floorboards that they live under. And so, like, it is both his fault for fucking up their house and also their, his fault that they get immediately discovered after, like, decades of hiding, <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, and... So much of this is like, oh, you know, people, can we understand each other? Like, we, they both have been, like, she's been told that you can't talk to humans. It's too dangerous. She's like, but maybe this one boy is different. And uh, he's like, I'm not like other boys in stories like this. And both of them are wrong. Like, they're not wrong in, like, dramatic ways. We're like, ah, oh, yeah, you really can't understand each other. It's that the understanding is just, too, the cost is too high, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like you can't cross cultural bridges through, like, pluck and circumstance in, like, a single summer. Right. And, like, what is that understanding going to get for you? Because it's not like, oh, now they understand each other and they're just going to be able to take all the sugar they want. Like, that's not what's going to happen, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's just and two even dumb if he kids was, who even get if he curious was, even if he was handing them all that sugar that they could want like that only puts them at further risk or sets up a situation where someday he's gonna leave right like he, mm-hmm. he's about to go have a surgery and he might not survive they cannot be reliant on this one boy's kindness and th- his willingness to keep a secret right like mm-hmm. their their way of life is not should not be predicated on like the charity of humans um but it's very easy for the characters to fall into. But what if, what if we did though? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, it's fun because like, I think the movie does a good job of selling like both of their like childishness um, and the way in which like, it feels like maybe um, Arietti's family has seen something like this before. Maybe it hasn't happened to them, but they've heard of like distant cousins who like got seen by humans and something bad happened. Yeah. Um, I think even the mom says something to that effect, but I can't remember what that story was about. Like 
the mom is like your cousin like did something and i can't remember what the story was at this right now but mm-hmm. um yeah yeah but as so like as a movie about like like small picture like almost like like this is like a movie about imperialism on like a quiet level right like <laughs> you just can't you just can't presume to help people without understanding them and the understanding is bigger than i just want to be nice to you please let me right like the messaging of that stuff i think is like good in a way that like the jelly movies have generally been really bad about <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> um yeah i mean like it's weird that, like he immediately takes on like the sense of responsibility for them when they've been getting along for decades without him you know yeah and their whole conversation is a, like is about his nihilism of like he he wants to care for them because he's in this place where he feels out of control um but also he's willing he's very easily willing to be like ah oh, if i can't take care of you then you're probably doomed because mm-hmm. he's transferring his own feelings of like i might die and that's scary to me i'm just a teenager and teenagers you know are uh, like always uh, like if he if you're aware of your mortality it's probably causing you a lot of anxiety i've been there i was an, a mortality anxious teen um <laughs> And so her being like, uh, excuse me, you, all you're talking about is yourself and not me. I'm going to live my life and my family's coming with me. And that's just what it's going to be is like resolute in a way that's like good for its non showiness. Right. She doesn't give a big speech. She just leaves. Yeah. Like she goes and sees him because she's curious and she feels like she owes him one or whatever it is. And like, he says you're a doomed species and she's like, well, fuck you. <laughs> not that, not quite that extreme, but like, you know, she does not have to, you know, she doesn't owe him that much. She needs his help to find her mom. That's about it. There's, there's a very funny scene of, um, so he goes out, like he gets locked in his room. He gets locked in his room and he walks out on the roof and she has to like go into the window next door. And I realized that it's just in every video game where you have two characters who have to do something where you go stand by a wall and press triangle and one character stands on another's shoulder or something. This is a funny moment. Yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, it's good. I don't know how much else I have. I don't um, have very much at all. The movie is simply sweet. I do want to say, getting Joe Hisaishi out of here, great idea. Uh, this movie is composed by Cecile Corbell. She has a, there's a great story of, she just like sent her out, like one of her promo albums to Ghibli because she was a fan. And because it was like a handwritten package, someone at the office just was like, I'm going to see what this is. It's, it's handwritten. That's so strange. And listened to it and liked it and asked her to make some songs and eventually the entire s- soundtrack to this movie. There's the one song that gets used a couple times that I really, really like. It's at the very yeah. start and it's at like the mm-hmm. maybe cent- center of the movie. It's very yeah. good. Um I, yeah. I kind of want to look into Cecile Corbell now. I'm not sure that I'm going to actually listen to any of her music, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like she just has, you know, like a couple albums. Like she's mm-hmm. just like, you know, a French. Uh, I think she normally does like harp stuff, but yeah. 
Um, which is good. Uh, I think the enduring, uh, takeaway from this, uh, project other than Miyazaki is overrated is Joe Hisaishi. Retire. You've been doing the same thing for 30 years. <laughs> the Nausicaa soundtrack is so good. And then I just don't think he has like, I think he just kind of settles after that. <laughs> yeah. Like the, when I, when I think about like, any individual and I'm like this is fine but in aggregate having watched these like over the course of a year or whatever like they're just the same soundtrack every single time <laughs> um, yeah and they just they don't there's never any texture to them they're all kind of the same thing like even within like one movie like it's just kind of like the same sound over and over <laughs> yeah alright well if that's everything we should go to questions Sounds good. like to send questions you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com about any of the movies maybe you know we're at the point now where it's the movies that like people don't have a ton to say about i feel like the Arietti. but if you want to send if you're like catching up or want to send an email about any of the older movies we'll talk about them too ask us about uh, palm poco anytime yeah uh so our first uh email is from adam uh including arietti the last four movies you've covered were adapted from american and european stories from what you've seen would you like to see more movies adapted from the west or japanese specific stuff um it depends i mean two of these movies have been really good ponyo and arietti and two of these movies have been fucking atrocious um i guess i would be I guess it would kind of depend on um, the story itself, which I feel like is a bit of a cop-out answer. But Ponyo and Arietti are, like, very good, unambitious movies, whereas I feel like um, stuff they've done that's been adapting, like, you know, Japanese stories. Like, I think Grave of the Fireflies was an adaptation. Um, mm. And there's something else that's jumping out at me. I mean, Only Yesterday is a pseudo adaptation i think they've had more to say with some of their like earlier stuff but i think that's also maybe like just the direction that the studio went is like saying less 
<laughs> yeah. Or in Miyazaki's case, utterly failing to say anything of note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the feed, cause so many, like this script's written by Miyazaki, right? Like he's so yeah. involved with everything that like, what is the future of Ghibli when he's out of the picture, right? Does it mm-hmm. exist? Who's who's in charge? I they they might have directors, but do they have scriptwriters? Like what even is that studio at that point? Right. And they've been trying to answer this question since the 90s and yes. have never really hit on like an identity for the studio outside of Miyazaki. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh how would you react to finding borrowers in your home? Uh I think I would be a little put out by it, but not like tremendously so. Um, I would absolutely be obnoxious, be like, "Here's all your sugar. Here's whatever you need." All you know, um, I would, I would be, I would just be show. It'd be the worst, but <laughs> it would be so charming. I would just be like, "Look, you can have whatever you want. I'm not going to bother you. Just like come show me your cool little things." Uh, I would definitely time. get there, but it would definitely be a day and a half of like, "There are tiny fucking people in our apartment. What the fuck? What?" <laughs> Nah, I, I, it doesn't, that doesn't bother me. Um, I think I would just roll with it. Uh, conversely, do you think you could make it as a borrower? And the answer to that is absolutely not. No. That sounds so hard. <laughs> no. I was thinking a lot in this movie about, like, it's weird that they don't have, like, six kids because they do so much domestic labor. Um, yes. And, this like, is- they're, and they're, they're, like, handy in, like, a bunch of different directions, right? Like, it's very, like... Like, the idea is, like, old pre-industrial, like, handiwork, right? Like, mm-hmm. the dad can solder and build and, and cook and hunt and gather and do all the things that people need. But they live in, like, a nice little, like, Victorian house. Mm-hmm. But the, this is, like, literally the historical reason that people had lots of children is because they had a lot yes. of work to do around the house. And, yeah. like, I would, I would suck at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's weird because, like, a lot of that was because of farming, right? But they're not farmers. They're Mm. very specifically, like, gatherers in a way that, like, industrialized, like, even historical, like, pre-industrial society moved away from because that's not a way to sustain anything. But the movie doesn't really grapple with the idea of, like, it's so incongruous for families who are just, like, living off of the scraps of the land to live in, like, a house with a kitchen with a working fire stove, right? Like, mm. everything is incongruous, and that's part of, like, the the fantasy, like, visually and, like, aesthetically, but um, obviously the movie doesn't get into any of that. I, I doubt the books do. I, like, you know, it's that's, like, a weird thing of, like, we all just want to believe that we can just, like, you know, live simply, but also still have all the things that we like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, we would just sew all the things, and we would make the tea, you know, um, Mm -hmm. never mind how it's done. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then, uh, the last question, in honor of show, my least favorite Ghibli boy, what are your Ghibli protagonist rankings? We're not going to do all of them, but give me, like, top couple, maybe worst ones, whatever, top I mean... Um, for me, number one with a bullet is Nausicaa. Um, no question. Um, I think Porco and Fio are maybe tied for second off the top of my head. Um, who else is like really notable in my head? Um, Uh, I like the Baron a lot. I don't know if he counts, but Baron's high up there for me. I love the Baron. I feel like he's not quite a protagonist. I, I, I don't know. I like Chihiro a lot. I've always liked Chihiro. Uh, 
I like Chihiro. I don't think she's like one of my favorites, but I like Chihiro. Um, you know, I like those kids from Grave of the Fireflies a lot. Um, yeah. And of course, bottom of the barrel, ocean waves. How? The- how? Get fucked, how? Uh- <laughs> I might put the Ocean Waves kids lower than Howl, Shaking but only head. because I think Howl is kind of hot. <laughs> I hate Howl so much. I think I think everything about him in those movies sucks. Uh, he is the dog shit worst, and I only wish ill of him. But I think I, he's I a good have, no, I have I don't even have ire for the Tales of Mercy people because I don't remember any of them. So I don't either. That boy killed his dad. We never found out why. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> we never we never found out why. He had darkness in his heart. That's why. Uh, <laughs> when I have darkness in my heart, it means like I'm like too short with people, and like I stole like a pen from work. It's not that I murdered my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but like you would if you could. If you I don't you could think get away I would with it. If I could. <laughs> um. He also just murders his dad. No, wait. The end of that movie is him not getting away with it. The end of that movie is them going to atone for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, I had oh, go ahead. two random thoughts about Arietti that I wanted to... Yeah. Th- um, one of them I remember was that it's so cute that every time she pulls the needle in and out of her dress, it makes a short sea thing sound effect. That's yes, just cute. it's really good. <laughs> There was something else I was going to say that was just very small like that. I cannot remember it right now, though. But. Okay. Uh, and then we have some questions from Tron. I think we answered most of these. The one we didn't uh, even touch at all is, uh, did either of you believe in fantasy creatures like, you know, tiny people or fairies when you were a child? Um, I don't remember about when I was a kid much. Um. I do know that, like, I presently in the current day kind of think ghosts are real, maybe. I'm per- um, I, 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 I feel confident in saying I think ghosts are real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I don't, I don't really remember being a kid, like, generally speaking. Um, so I can't really speak to, like, did I think ghosts, or did I think, like, fairies were real, or, like, anything like that when I was a kid. But I will say that right now in 2020, I kind of think ghosts are real, maybe. <laughs> I think I think ghosts are real. I, um, as a kid, I feel like I was, um, I was always like wished I believed in that stuff and didn't. Like, mm. I remember, uh, you know, hearing about like the fairy photographs and like, oh, I wish that was me where like I could buy into that stuff. And uh, I was a very obnoxious, grounded, realist child. Um, I feel like I've gotten more willing to be open-minded as an adult. Um, Ghosts, absolutely real. Demons, probably real. Aliens, no, absolutely. Like, probably, <laughs> but not... They, they haven't talked to anybody. They're not here. Oh, I... Okay. I feel very confident in saying aliens are real, but I also feel very confident in saying they probably haven't, like, shown yeah, up on exactly. Earth. Like, in the universe, there's definitely other sentient forms, or even, like, it's non-sentient, sentient, whatever, both forms of life. I don't think any of them are, like, flying overhead looking at us. Yeah, I think we would know about that. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, oh, there was something ghosts, demons, aliens. There was something I was going to tack on to that. 
I don't know why. I'm so forgetful all of a sudden. Vampires, cryptids, big feet. Vampires, no. Vampires, not real. Um, real in my heart, for sure, but not real. No idea. No, I don't know why I'm so fucking forgetful, ruining the podcast. <laughs> Loch Ness Monster. Dinosaurs in a lost, you know, island somewhere. I'm just throwing things at the wall. <laughs> I don't really, I don't buy into a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, okay. Except the, like, leftist ones. <laughs> do you, uh, animism. Do you believe in animism? What is animism? Where, like, non-sentient objects have, like, a spirit in them. I can buy into that. That's kind of how I think that ghosts are real, is that I just think that there is, like, energy in the world, and, like, that can inhabit objects. That's kind of how... I watch a lot of Guillermo del Toro movies, um, mm. and I just kind of have subscribed to them as my worldview about this okay. thing, these sorts of things. All right. Uh, that's it. Uh, again, questions at abnormal... No, pod podcast? It's podcast, right? Podcast, podcast. abnormalmapping.com. Uh, I don't know why I said questions. Uh, is <laughs> yours questions, questions. export audio questions? Uh, people could send export audio questions to exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. Okay, yeah, yours isn't even quite... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I said questions. Anyway, next time we will be talking about From Up on Poppy Hill, which is the last uh, Ghibli movie I saw. Uh, before doing this project, I saw it in a theater in 2011. No fucking clue what this movie is. Um, Zero it's idea. It's a Goro Miyazaki directed film. I I can tell you right now, it's better than Earthsea. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if it's good or not. I just know it's better. It's got to be better. I remember enough about it to know that it's better. No one kills their dad and doesn't say why. <laughs> I mean, if you remember something about it, it's better than Earthsea, because the only thing I remember about the Earthsea movie is the time that um, Tenar says, ah, remember the Tombs of Atuan, and I'm like, damn, I wish I was watching a Tombs of Atuan movie. <laughs> okay. It's the only thing I remember. Fair enough. Uh, until then, uh, which will probably be in three weeks. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, It'll be out before the end of the year. I'm pretty sure we'll put one out before the end of the year. I feel um, confident in saying that and no more than that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, check our Twitters for when I'm asking for questions next time and you'll know when we record because it's anywhere between seven to ten days after I ask for questions. Someone um, please send us questions about a different Ghibli movie than From Up on Poppy Hill. Not that you can't send us questions about From Up on Poppy Hill. I just think it would be neat to get questions about an older movie. Yeah. Also, everyone tweet at Autumn to read Nausicaa. Don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> if you They'll tweet never at me, read it. I will block you. I promise you. <laughs> uh, I might revoke the block in 24 hours, but I will block your ass if you do that. <laughs> Um, yep, that's fair. I used to, back in the day when Twitter was not the way it is now and my life was not the way it is now, I definitely like comedy blocked people. I once blocked Jackson and they fell out of my following list because I waited too long to unblock them and they were really mad about it. Like they were like my like 10th most, you know, oldest follower. I don't even think they'd show them in chronological They don't even order show anymore. them in the right order anymore because yeah. I used to like look at that just because I was like, be like, oh, right. When I first joined Twitter, I followed these people and, yep. you know. Anyway, plugs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee, where you cannot tweet at me, but you can look at my pinned tweet, which has links to all my other podcasts, or you can go to exportaud.io, which has got links to everything. 
Um, I should plug one podcast. People should listen to Ars Arcanum, which is a very good podcast. Um, and we'll only get better once we someday get out of Elantris. But while we're in Elantris... What is, what is it about? Would you tell people what it's about? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, we are reading three chapters at a time. Um, Brandon Sanderson books, which are just, ep- like, epic fantasy novels, if you're not familiar with Brandon Sanderson. His first book is dog shit, and we're really struggling to get through it. We recently had Jackson on as a uh, fill-in guest, uh, and they did wonderfully, despite not having read most of Elantris. <laughs> did you Did you need me to fill in next time again? Uh, we're definitely going to do um, another episode without Tilly, um, but if you want to fill in, you can. You don't have to. I'm, 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 I'm game, I just didn't know. Um, I'll, I'll text you and Molly about it and whoever okay. feels more excited about the opportunity, we'll do it. <laughs> oh, let Molly do it. it. I'd rather listen to that than probably Molly is excited to listen to me talk about a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and where can people find you online? You can find me at Twitter at EM underscore being, you can find all of my podcasts at normalmapping.com. Uh, we are, uh, if you want to support us, we're at uh, patreon.com slash normal mapping for $1. You get Gundam. We're finishing up 08 the mess team. We're about to start Gundam X. I'm really excited for that. Um, look forward to some exciting announcements about what's going on with Gundam X, uh, coming soon. Can't talk about them yet. Cause this episode will be out before we announce any of that. So mm-hmm. that's fair. If you would like to talk to autumn, uh, and you know, you don't want to get blocked on Twitter cause they will block you. You can come into the abnormal mapping discord. There's a link on the webpage, abnormalmapping.com. Uh, there is, there's an export audio chat, like a channel where you can, if you talk to autumn there, it's, it's content. So, you know, you're just engaged with the community. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I but don't, in- don't add autumn on there because if you add anyone in our discord, we're going to yell at you cause it fucking sucks. I do not enjoy getting added on discord. If no, it- I don't either. Every time it happens, I'm like, what is this? Something better be on fire. Someone better be dead. <laughs> And it's some other discord that I'm only in because of like connections or I guess on a podcast doing like an at everyone. And I'm like, oh, my God, how do you live like this? (laughs) I was once having a conversation with someone and they came back to it like two hours later to like add one last thing. And I was like, I fucking hate you now. (laughs) (laughs) It just gets my I don't ever want notifications. I want a notification if I'm getting like DMs from my friends or if someone's Mm. dead. That's it. Don't notify me about anything. Like that is it. I have almost all notifications turned off on Twitter. I when my friends reply to me, I see that. That's yep, it. That, I event, I eventually had to do that because for a while I had like faves and retweets on, on main oh, was turned torture. on, and I yeah, I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I hate this. It, like I it make, gives me so much anxiety. Um, tweeting more on main because I turned that off, uh, mm-hmm. which is nice. So, I but yeah, if we you come talk to, to me in the Discord. <laughs> If you come talk to me in the Discord, I like that. The expert chat in the Abnormal Mapping Discord is very good. Um, I have long wanted to hang out in the Discord more and just don't ever think to do it. And so now I have one that I kind of feel obligated to check. And it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good people in that Discord. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it. We don't have anything else. We're just talking about bullshit now. Yeah. If you read Earthsea books, post about it in both. There are two channels I check on the expert. There are two channels I check in the Abnormal Mapping Discord, books and export chat. So if you read an Earthsea book, post about it in one of those channels, and I'll come chat at you. <laughs> Man, I feel, I feel like, uh, for some reason, I feel like my pride is wounded here, but I don't know why exactly. Like, I, can't I just care a lot about read. books and myself. 
the end. Fair enough. Podcast is As over. Someone who like. reads most of it because it's my Discord, I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> I would if I just thought of it more often. That's the only Man. thing is I just don't think of it very much. Because I didn't use Discord until we had a server, I have very I don't know how Discord how normal people interact with Discord at all. Oh, I um spent three months as a moderator for a Discord that had fifteen hundred people in it, and now I never want to use Discord oh. ever. It was hell because I had to read everything that fifteen hundred people were saying. God. <laughs> um, okay, we're definitely done. Goodbye. Everyone go home, watch some anime. Watch an anime. She was